0: I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, Producers Wealth. If you're interested to set up your infinite banking policy correctly and have access to a coach that will help you use your infinite banking strategy to grow your business and your investment portfolio and having your capital work in more than one place simultaneously, and protect your capital from market downturns, taxes, predators, and creditors. You can watch a presentation of exactly how you can do this at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. The world is going through changes. Changes happening at a speed that we have never seen before. This is leading to disruption, chaos, panic, panic, Fear, hysteria, and a turbulent economy and marketplace. How do you protect your wealth in a turbulent world? How do you invest for cash flow and alternative assets to escape the rat race in times of uncertainty? How do you decentralize yourself, your family, your community, your business, and your investments to become sovereign and escape the matrix? If you are looking for strategies, tactics, and techniques, escape the rat race and matrix, you are in the right place. My name is MC Lobsher and this is Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Cashflow Ninja and spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. And if you're a business owner or an investor that's looking to protect and build wealth during turbulent times, during reset times, I've launched my mastermind, my inner circle, Cashflow Nirvana, which you can join at cashflowandengine.com forward slash nirvana. In Cashflow Nirvana, business owners and investors connect on a weekly basis to figure out their biggest threats and challenges and how they can turn their biggest threats and challenges into life-changing opportunities. Again, you can join my mastermind, Cashflow Nirvana, my inner circle at cashflowninja.com forward slash nirvana. I've got a fantastic show for you today. I'm joined by returning guest, Keith Weinald, from Get Rich Education, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about what is going on in the single-family, turnkey real estate rental space. Keith, it's great to see you. Hey, thanks so much for having me back. For uh, our listeners and viewers that are new and and that's not familiar with you and what you do, could you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them?
1: Sure. Today, I'm the founder of Get Rich Education, the host of the Get Rich Education podcast, and I serve on the Forbes Real Estate Council. So how does anyone really get there? You know, I'm just a person that came from a lower middle class background in Pennsylvania, and I got a geography degree from college, but I found that wasn't very marketable. So I found myself doing construction materials testing, something unrelated to my degree, and and really shortly after college, having a pretty middling income. But, you know, really the thoughts you put into your head are really important. I had some interest in wealth creation. And everyone you can think of as having and being their own seed, I was a seed, but I needed to put myself in some good soil. I had friends that were really ambitious in financially bettering themselves, and two of my close friends, shortly after I graduated college and I was working a middling job, made their first ever home a fourplex building where they lived in one unit, rented out the other three, and I learned with an FHA loan, you could do that with just a three and a half percent down payment, a 580 credit score, and you only had to live in the unit, one of the units. For 12 months, that's all you have to do to qualify. So that's exactly what I did. That's how I started out with a bang with a $295,000 fourplex. And hey, it wasn't always easy. You know, I had run ins with tenants. It's kind of weird when you're living right on site with your tenants there. And you got to learn that, you know, when people say they're going to pay you the rent, they don't necessarily do that but it was a better experience than it was worse i learned about things like leverage and cash flow and how my tenants were paying down the mortgage loan for me so that's how i got into real estate And after owning the fourplex for a few years with cash out refinances and 1031 exchanges, I expanded my portfolio to multiple states and kept growing it that way. So really, that's how I got into real estate. It was friends, which really all harkens back to the very well-known Jim Rohn quote, you are the average of the five people that you spend
0: the most time with. So put your seed in some good soil. Absolutely. And then from there on, you scaled your real estate portfolio uh, in the uh, single family turnkey rentals. Um, What were uh, some of the things that um, allowed you to essentially uh, invest out of state? Because a lot of people would hear, investing out of state, how can you do that? You should be buying in your own market, right? It's that uh, that, that old paradigm. How did you break that paradigm? And what were some of the things that excited you about uh, that asset class? The
1: way I broke a paradigm by investing out of state and finding that that's actually a more safe thing to do, often, than investing in your own hometown is the fact that the property and when you potential investor, you know, think about real estate investing, thinking about your expanding portfolio, you think about, oh, well, what property am I going to put into my portfolio? But I'm here to tell you the property is only the fourth most important thing in real estate investing. It's not first. The most important thing is what do you want real estate to do for you? Provide perhaps appreciation or tax benefits or a lifestyle benefit like an inflation, uh, rather a vacation rental that you can use yourself or perhaps it's cash flow, which is a common reason. Well, the best cash flowing markets are found in the United States, Midwest and South. And I want cash flow. So number one, the most important thing in real estate investing is what do I want real estate to do for me? And that is provide residual income. So you, you and what you want are the most important thing in this. The second most important thing is the market that's going to support that again, typically in the Midwest and South, where you have a high ratio of rent income to purchase prices and laws that tend to benefit landlords more than tenants. And you want a market that has significant ballast, an MSA with half a million to a million people. So you have a diversity of economic sectors because your tenants need sustainable jobs in order to pay the rent. So you're the most important thing in real estate investing and what you want. The second most important thing is the market And then the third most important thing is that team of professionals that you choose to surround yourself with, like your mortgage loan officer and your tax person and your property manager. Really key to find a good property manager in that market that you just selected. Secondly, so the third most important thing is your team. We all know like a bad manager can run a good property into the ground. And then fourthly, and only fourthly, is the property. So it's that framework that gave me the confidence to buy out of state. And MC, what do most people do? Look, they do it exactly backwards. Rather than doing it one, two, three, four, they try to do it four, three, two, one. They start with the property, which is only the fourth most important thing. Oh, and then after they decide they don't like managing themselves and don't like getting texted from tenants, then they go up to number three and see if there's a good property manager in that market and just hope that there is after it's too late, they already bought. Then they go up to the second most important thing and try to figure out the market. Maybe if that local market is experiencing employment problems and tenants can't pay the rent. And then they go back to one, which is themselves. And, and they you know, try to figure out what they ultimately wanted from this anyway. So most people get it completely backwards. So to review the property Property is only the fourth most important thing in income property investing. Before that, it's you, the market, and the team. And by the way, I want to give a little credit to the real estate guys, Robert Helms and Russell Gray. They didn't exactly describe it that way, but they gave me some framework for thinking about it that
0: way, which helped get me to invest out of state to begin with. I want to take a moment to share the most exciting project I've ever worked on and a project that will be my primary focus in the weeks, months and years ahead. I've launched the Cashflow Nirvana Mastermind. The Cashflow Nirvana Mastermind is the inner circle of the Cashflow Ninja ecosystem. In our exclusive mastermind, business owners and investors have access to all the strategies, tactics, tools, and community to build and protect wealth in turbulent times and crisis. Join a community of resilient business owners and investors that are building a parallel economy and the future during times of chaos. As a member of the Cashflow Nirvana Mastermind, you will receive a monthly newsletter and video newsletter with Intel business owners and investors need to know, bonus reports, bi-weekly Zoom calls, and a bonus monthly happy hour Zoom call to network within the community. Access to a community social platform to interact with community members. The Cashflow Ninja Rolodex that includes all of our preferred vendors and partners. A Parallel Economy and Members Rolodex. The goal there is for members to do business with each other. Deal flow of our community. Get access to the best deals available From our preferred operators and members as they become available, educational content that includes how to create a strategy right now and how to create a business right now. You can join the Cashlon Nirvana Mastermind. Go to cashlonangel.com forward slash Nirvana. That's cashlonangel.com forward slash Nirvana. That's a great framework. I appreciate you sharing that because that is the exact. Uh, worst, that, that is the single mistake that real estate investors yeah. do, in my opinion. You know, I've heard it so many times. MC, I found this great property. Oh, where? Oh, it's, you know, somewhere in Alabama. or so, You know, or just pick your state, insert your, the name of state here. Uh, and you go, um, do you know anything else like the market? The, is there a team on the ground? You know, all the things that you just shared. Why are you yeah. buying this again? Um, you know, what would you like it to do for you? So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, you here as the listener, as the follower here
1: to the Cashflow Ninja, you intrinsically already know this—that the market is more important than the property. But maybe you just haven't thought it through. For example, a castle in a swamp near Youngstown, Ohio, isn't going to be worth much, but just the tiny 400 square foot efficiency apartment in the Tribeca neighborhood of Manhattan is going to have huge rent and a lot of value because. The market is more important than the property. You have all those jobs in Manhattan.
0: And one of the other frameworks that uh, you've uh, shared too, Keith, that I think our listeners and viewers could find a lot of value from is when you think about real estate, most people just think, okay, cash flow. that's great. And again, it's a single thing, right? But there's so many different ways that real estate can pay you and you actually share five ways. Can you run us through that framework of yours? Yeah, people love hearing about this. Real estate pays five ways,
1: which is almost head spinning to what I'll call the conventional investing world. Most people are used to investing in stocks, mutual funds, and ETS, where what you do is you try to buy low and sell higher, which isn't as easy as it sounds, and that's the only way you're paid Okay, maybe you have a dividend-paying stock if you're a stock investor. Therefore, you could get paid a second way, which is typically a small second cash flow stream. The average dividend-paying stock in the S and P 500 only yields two percent per year. But maybe you could get paid a second way with real estate. Before I buy a property, I expect to get paid five ways at the same time. The first way is appreciation. It's not just any appreciation it's leveraged appreciation because you make the return on both the, say, 20% that you put into the property and the return on the 80% that you borrowed from the bank is yours, not the bank's. So appreciation actually makes compound interest look really slow and boring. So that's the first way, appreciation through leverage. The second way is cash flow. You'd only buy a property if income beats expenses. The third way is the principal paydown. And if you're a primary homeowner, maybe you think, oh, well, I already had that principal paydown uh, benefit. I can see that a little bit of my monthly payment goes to principal and some goes toward interest. But no, that money came out of your pocket for both the principal and interest in an income property with this third of five ways you're paid principal pay down. Your tenant pays down your principal for you and they pay all the interest and they pay a little on Top of it called cash flow. The fourth of five ways is a generous basket of tax benefits. And if you're thinking, oh, I don't know if that's a legitimate way you're paid. When you can do things like you have a non cash expense with depreciation and you can write off part of the property, whether you put money into the property or improved it or not, that's a legitimate fourth way. You also never have to pay capital gains tax on your real estate. I never have in my entire life, my 20 year investor career now. So, tax benefits are the fourth of five ways. And then the fifth is probably the least understood that is an inflation profiting. Benefit. If you borrow a million dollars, the bank doesn't tell you you need to pay them back a million dollars over time in inflation adjusted dollars. So if we have 10% inflation over a year or two, after one year, your 100k in debt is actually debased by inflation to just 900k and 800k the following year, and so on, because wages and prices go higher. That's the fifth of five ways you're paid the inflation profiting benefits. So real estate pays five ways. It's a term that I coined back in 2015 and since had trademarked. And I think that's really helped a lot of people. And it really uh, helps answer the compelling why, like, why would I invest in real estate in the first place? The short answer is five ways.
0: So what are you seeing at the moment in the single family turnkey uh rental real estate markets that that you're operating in i know asking to uh, you know kind of broadly what's happening in the single <laughs> single family turnkey rental real estate market nationally well that's a very 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 broad brush stroke right there that i just painted a lot of markets with but what are you seeing in some of the markets that that you're in, investing in that's that that's would be of interest for listeners and and, and viewers right now all right. Well, first, let me tell you what I'm seeing like right now
1: this year and then maybe drop back and look at the big picture in the turnkey market, which is the one to four unit space, single family homes up to four plexes. And by the way, turnkey means a property you can buy typically across state lines that's already tenanted, already renovated, and it's under management from day one. That's what a turnkey property means. Right now, I've seen the best basket of incentives that turnkey providers are giving to investors. As long as I've been doing this, it's almost become typical now that at the closing table, you get 2% closing cost credit. You can use whoever you want to buy down your interest rates. So on a, for example, 250K single family income property, the seller is giving you 5K. At the closing table two percent of the purchase price the second thing that more and more providers are doing and neither of these first two things are going to last long are free property management for the first two years and then the third incentive i commonly see is that sellers are letting investors know that hey you have a rent guarantee meaning if on the day you buy the property it's not occupied by a rent paying tenant We'll pay the rent for you. So to review the three incentives, only two of which are probably going to last very long, that sellers are giving buyers right now are oftentimes 2% closing cost credit, free property management for the first two years. You typically have to pay eight to ten percent of one month's rent in a property management expense. And then thirdly, that rent guarantee. And here's a tip keep that rent guarantee in your back pocket over the long term. That's something you're going to be able to ask about over the long term before you get under contract on buying a new property. Hey, will you give me a rent guarantee? So if by the time I close, which can take 30 to 60 days from the time I write the contract, will you give me a rent guarantee, meaning you pay the rent until a qualified vetted tenant is placed? That's what I'm seeing now. That's current. That can put thousands of dollars in your pocket right now. And then we can talk about you know the longer term, really with what's happened in the post-pandemic
0: world with real estate overall, MC. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, You can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At the Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country. And they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. Yeah, that would be very interesting because there's a couple of things, obviously, that that are happening in real estate that uh, are are perceived as dangers and threats, right? So one of them being, yeah. you know, low hanging fruit, the mortgage rates. Um, but what are some of the other things that you're seeing there post uh, pandemic in in this space?
1: Yeah, I've certainly got plenty to say to see, say on the mortgage rates. So since 2020. We've had a a highly volatile housing market. In 2020, people didn't really know what was going on with the health crisis. In 2021, we had this low supply housing frenzy where you had to pay all cash oftentimes and offer over the buy price. I think 2021 was the worst time to buy real estate in a long time. It was a good time to sell real estate. And then in 2022, we had these steeply increasing mortgage rates, which spooked a little people, and mortgage rates have since fallen back from there. So we know what happened with prices. In 2021, the national median housing price increased by about 20%. In 2022, it increased by about 10%. And in 2023, I don't think that home prices are going to move very much. We've gone from volatile to stable why don't I think housing prices are going to move very much this year? Now, now they probably will drop in some overheated markets, like say a coastal California or an Austin, Texas, or a Denver, Colorado. You're already seeing some of that happen. But in the stable Midwest and South is where you want to buy income properties. Why don't I think prices can increase very much? Well, there's still an affordability constraint there. And why don't I think prices can fall very much there's still a supply constraint there. We still have really low housing supply. So that's what I see coming. And interestingly, mortgage interest rates rose so, so much in 2021 and 2022. Back at the beginning of 2021, which is more than two years ago, mortgage interest rates went below 3%. We're talking about a a 30-year fixed rate mortgage on an owner-occupied home, below 3%. And I think most people know they have since risen up over seven and they've since settled back to about 6% or so. The interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand, and you might have a hard time believing this, that you, the listener or the follower, hear this for the first time, if you don't usually listen to me, higher mortgage rates typically correlate with higher home prices, not lower home prices. And this might turn your world completely upside down. You're like, well, what kind of world are you living in? Doesn't anyone know that higher mortgage interest rates mean that affordability is worse and people can't pay as much and prices have to come down? Oh, no, you don't need to look any further than what just happened. What happened in 2021 and 2022? mortgage rates surge ridiculously and home prices surge ridiculously right along with them. What's happened since? Mortgage rates have settled back down about 1% from their peak and home prices have now settled back down too. In fact, this is with Freddie Mac data and I can share this with you MC so you can share it with your audience if you like. Okay, over the last 30 years about since 1994, let's just call that about 30 years, Mortgage interest rates increased substantially nine different times during that 30-year stretch. What I mean by a substantial rate increase is 1% or more. Okay, that happened nine times between 1994 and today. Of those nine times of big mortgage rate increases, what did home prices do? They rose seven of those nine times. And a lot of people think, how could that possibly happen? How can that be true? This just turns everything with what I thought about real estate and affordability completely upside down. Like, how does that happen? And really there are for a couple main reasons. Number one is there are some lag effects, okay? Real estate has been known to move really slowly. Everything's kind of slow. It's slow to get under contract and buy a property. It's slow. There's always this lag in the data that I'm, I'm having to deal with over here at Get Rich Education. And the other thing is, We need to think as economists, oftentimes, rather than anything else. Okay, what does it usually mean in the economy if rates are rising? That means the economy is doing well and it needs to cool down in order to tamp down on inflation pressures. Now, I know there were a few different variables with that coming off a black swan event like the pandemic, but mortgage rates increase when people are employed which also correlates with high inflation. And what really tempers a home purchase decision more than mortgage interest rates? Mortgage interest rates matter, but they're only secondary or tertiary to the home buyer decision. What matters more is do you have a job and do you feel secure in your job? We're at a time in this nation where we have more available jobs than we even have people to work in them. There are about 11 million more available jobs than there even are workers. So the point. Is that the reason that high mortgage interest rates correlate with higher home prices, not lower ones, is that economic factors and feeling secure in your job and things like marriage or children or relocating, all those things have more to do with the direction of home prices than mere mortgage interest rates do. So I've been talking a lot about the owner-occupied market, but all that price movement, that affects the income property market in the one to four unit space and even somewhat in the apartment space. So to review, higher mortgage rates correlate closely with higher home
0: prices and almost everyone thinks that it's the opposite. Very interesting. So what what are you seeing uh, moving forward, it, it, are mortgage rates going to go back up? I know that the you know predictions are for fortune tellers, right? As mm-hmm. as uh, my, as Doug Casey likes to, likes to say, and the crystal ball business is tough. Um, but what 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 are you seeing with uh, future uh, mortgage rates? Will it continue to go up? Is it coming coming even further down?
1: First, let's talk about track record. In late 2021, I predicted that home prices would increase between nine and 10% in 2022. The NAR just recently came out with a number, it was 10.2%. My guess was between nine and 10. So I got pretty close because I have been doing this for a while. But I'll tell you, if you want to know the future direction of mortgage rates, you know, I'm going to let someone else do that and let that person be wrong, because in my opinion, it is so difficult to predict the direction of mortgage interest rates. It has a lot to do with with bond yields. A, a lot of people still think that mortgage rates are tied in direct lockstep to the decisions that the Fed makes, but I know you know this MC, but no, the 30 uh, year mortgage rate is more closely tied to the yield on the 10 year T note. And that's really difficult to predict, but I will tell you that since we had a hot GDP number come in and we still haven't totally tamped down on inflation and we've had all this job creation, the latest jobs report almost three X what expectations were, My point is, is that that stokes more inflationary concern, which can increase the chances that mortgage rates have more upward pressure on them now than they do downward pressure. I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, but that's the reality of it. So although it's hard to make a a firm prediction on, on mortgage rates, and I sure haven't shied away from predictions elsewhere, like with the direction of home prices, there is more upward pressure on
0: mortgage rates. I can tell you that. What are some of the other things that uh, is on your radar of watching? Uh, I mean, uh, the the economy. Um, yeah, we had these <laughs> these great numbers come out in the past week, but um, the uh, I mean, there's a, there's essentially a world of different economies, as I've explained it to folks, uh, in different segments of the populations uh, that obviously are doing much worse. Uh, than the rest of, of other segments in the population. And there are other segments that are doing really, really well. What are you seeing with uh, with regards to the economy, uh, recession, depression, and so forth for, the, for, for 2023 and, and the coming years? It feels like people have been predicting a recession
1: for over a year. <laughs> and and it, it it still hasn't happened in what we'll call official terms. And by the way, that frustrates some people. The definition of a recession changed last year. It's no longer strictly two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction, which is actually what we had in the first two quarters of last year. You know, now the definition is more nebulous and it's more what the NBER, it's more of a declaration of what the National Bureau of Economic Research decides. It's sort of like a recession is a judge sport now, MC. Maybe it's sort of more like Mike figure skating or something, that's, yep. that's what a recession is. But, you know, a- anyway, is there a substantial economic slowdown, maybe that's the question since, you know, the the, the term recession is a, a little nebulous. I like to look through the lens of how much does it matter? I mean, it certainly matters. But, you know, one thing I've been quick to do is remind people that recessions are common. They're just a normal part of the business cycle. They occur on average every five years. Yeah, they're really common. In fact, most people think the last recession occurred in 2008. It did not. It occurred in 2020. That's the last time that one was declared in this judged sport. So we've got strong GDP growth, like I had mentioned earlier. It was up 2.9% Q4 of last year, which is the latest reading we have. And the jobs number just blew people away. So I'd like to give both the good news and the bad news in my media on my platform. And numbers like with what happened with jobs and GDP are just like killing the perma bears. You know, I mean, MC, we see this. We see all these articles in, in, in YouTube titles of a giant crash ahead and, you know, cataclysmic economic collapse coming and, you know, a certain housing apocalypse and all that. Um, That stuff gets clicks. You know, I like to to balance the good and the bad and look at reality, but a recession can't happen anytime soon with both the GDP numbers that we got and the jobs numbers that we got. Now, we sure could enter a mild recession later this year, but really the reasons that we're staving off recession, a big one is just simply American innovation. There are 193 nations in the world per the UN, and the United States was ranked by the Global Innovation Index as the second most innovative nation in the world. And I think we all know that innovation is what creates jobs and drives an economy. And of course, we're very interested in this. We want our our tenant to, to have a job. They need a job in order to pay the rent. And all this innovation, um, you know, some people uh, still don't quickly dismiss the fact. They, they think that innovation kills jobs. Uh, maybe you see what's happened to bank tellers. Maybe right now you're seeing it in the supermarket with cashiers going away. But innovation actually creates jobs. People have mistakenly thought that innovation kills jobs ever since the tractor replaced a five mule team or a five horse team. Oh, there aren't going to be any farmers anymore that need to like feed these horses and feed these mules. But I think we've since learned over and over again that innovation actually creates the jobs that we couldn't see. And uh, 20 years ago, we couldn't see all the jobs that we would have as a, a drone operator or an information systems analyst or a TikToker or a YouTube creator or on and on. Innovation Creates jobs. That's why America is staving off a recession right now. It's American innovation that's creating jobs and keeping us out of a
0: recession. I want to recognize one of our sponsors, Penumbra Solutions. Life Settlement Investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic. Life settlements. That's com forward slash life settlements. No, uh, uh, I mean, being from South Africa, just my initial uh, thoughts when I came to the States is just the abundance of uh, ideas and yeah. takes and innovation and coming up with new things and so forth. And there's a lot going on all over the place. I mean, this would be a, a podcast in and of itself. One thing that I'm starting to see make its way. Slowly but surely into real estate, for example, is tokenization of, of real estate, which is pretty exciting to see what's what's going on with that too. And you know obviously AI has been the flavor of the month where a lot of people have been talking about chat GPT and the rollout of AI and so forth. Um, what are some of your thoughts just on what I mentioned, the tokenization and some of the other uh, innovation trends that that's uh, rearing its or their heads? <laughs> yeah, I think you're just given more new
1: examples of how innovation creates jobs. Chat GPT, you know, it's it's kind of like I almost need to reassure my audience, like, you know, on my podcast, that really is still my real voice. And I really, really still write our, our newsletter myself. Um, Yeah, Chat GPT has changed so many things. And it's both good and bad. I mean, Microsoft has bought into chat GPT. If they can disrupt Google and their search in the near monopoly that they have on search, it can be good to have competition for you at the everyday consumer level. So
0: um, I it's just inevitable with, with where it's going. Yeah. And of course, seeing all this stuff coming. You know, one of the things um uh that I've learned just over the two decades and so so forth in, in, in business and investing is folks that and see these trends, uh see these trends emerge and then figure out how to to position themselves, so their their businesses and their investments, they are usually on the right side of this. Um, you know, whether it is an or a audio podcast or whether it is a digital business, they could be very, very scalable. You know, there's so many. Trends just the past couple of years to 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 have been capitalized on. We could go even further back. I remember the internet, you know, with it. It was very doomy and gloomy, you know, just coming out of out of university, where everybody's saying, "Oh, this is going to eat up the economy. This is going to take away all the jobs." Well, it's created more jobs than ever, and more millionaires, and and more uh, income opportunities for folks uh, than than ever. Right? Right. Autonomous cars. Are going to kill the
1: Uber driver. We know that that's almost certainly coming next, but watch people will still lament that. Oh, the loss of job. No, we've since learned that there are jobs that you can't see yet that will be created and they will probably be even more plentiful than the jobs that were just displaced from the loss of the Uber driver. Innovation creates jobs. There's almost no one better in the world at doing that than America. But Switzerland, by the way, if you're wondering who number one was, they actually ranked highest on the Global Innovation Index, one spot in front of the United States.
0: Very, very interesting. Keith, I'm always interested what wealthy and successful people are studying and learning. What are you studying and learning these days? I'm actually reading a book on Bitcoin
1: called The Fiat Standard, by Dr. Saifedean Amus. I like to stay you know, ahead of things, or I, I like to know where things are going. Um, I even had one of the first real estate podcasts back in 2014 when I had to spend time explaining to people what a podcast was. So I like to see what's coming. You had talked about blockchain earlier. I think Bitcoin has a pretty compelling value proposition with its hard cap of $21 million. There will never be more than that. More than 90% of those $21 million have already been mined. So I'm really learning about how Bitcoin and blockchain can change the world. Yeah, I know Bitcoin has had problems with these Bitcoin exchanges blowing up. A Bitcoin exchange blowing up is basically if there was like a run on the bank and Wells Fargo blew up. If Wells Fargo blew up, the dollar didn't fail. Just like if Celsius or FTX blows up, Bitcoin didn't fail. I think Bitcoin still has some compelling value propositions. I'm not completely convinced that it's a future, but it's worth learning about. And those are some new things that I've been learning about. I am a real estate guy. So real estate is tangible. It's old and it's slow. So I like to learn about something digital, new and fast to help offset the real estate lane that I've been in for
0: 20 years now yeah no that's a, a great point that you bring up um the media which is very very interesting to just to take a look at through all those things in the same, <laughs> basket, you know right? whether it's Bitcoin exchanges, they all just threw them threw them together. So I um, appreciate you sharing how they don't they they're not together. The one is Bitcoin, and the one are, are the exchanges, and the exchanges failed. Um, and a lot of powerful institutions know that. And that's why, like, you look at the moves that BlackRock has made during this quote unquote crypto winter, you look at the moves that a lot of other institutional players have made in the Bitcoin space. I mean, these folks love like 99 of the population, a deal or a sale. You know, you see people storming stores, retail stores on Black Friday. Well, the professional investors, they go shopping when there is a massive discounted sale on assets.
1: Right, like, like Bitcoin dropping to about one-third of its all-time high recently. But yeah, you're so right, MC. For example, I talked to my father on the phone uh, last year, and after the FTX and the Celsius debacle, yeah, my dad was like, uh, Keith, you still like Bitcoin? And yeah, I had to have the explanation that you know these, these exchanges, which are like banks, don't have anything to do with this de facto currency that we're talking about. Two very different things.
0: Yep. Keith, where can uh, my listeners and my viewers learn more about uh, you? Where can they follow you? And where where can they also uh, listen to your great podcast? Uh, Two places. Thanks. The
1: Get Rich Education podcast, which has been produced weekly since 2014. And I mean weekly, never missing a week, never replaying old shows. That's where you learn how real estate wires your mind for wealth and how real estate's made more ordinary people wealthy than anything else. You need to build wealth in order to have wealth and invest in things like Bitcoin or more real estate or bonds or whatever it is. And, you know, we earlier in the chat talked about how real estate pays five ways. I made a five-part video course, one video for each of the five ways. You can get that free at getricheducation.com. course. It's probably the most powerful condensed one hour of real estate investing education, if not total financial education you've ever seen. So Get Rich Education podcast or getricheducation.com
0: slash course for that free course about how real estate pays five ways. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Keith, and just sharing your knowledge and as always providing so much value for all of my listeners and my viewers out there. Oh, I loved it. Thanks, MC. And thank you to you, the listeners and the viewers, for spending your most valuable resource, your time once again with me on the Cashflow Ninja. Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com. That's CashflowNinja.com. And you can join my mastermind, Cashflow Nirvana, which is my inner circle at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Nirvana. Inside of Cashflow Nirvana, business owners And investors that's looking to protect and build wealth during turbulent times, connect on a weekly basis to figure out how they can turn their biggest dangers and challenges into life-changing opportunities. Again, you can sign up for Cashflow Nirvana at cashflowninja.com forward slash nirvana. Until next time, live infinitely. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.